Welcome to the Actual Fluency Podcast with Chris Broholm. This show will inspire, motivate, and teach you how to learn foreign languages the best way. On this show, you'll hear incredible stories from amazing language learners who've learned 5 to 10, even 30 plus languages, as well as industry experts who help shape modern language learning through innovation and research. As we dive into language learning methods, techniques, and apps, you'll quickly discover what works and what doesn't. This is the Actual Fluency Podcast, and this is Chris Broholm. This episode of the Actual Fluency Podcast is brought to you by Optilingo. You can learn over 18 languages with the guided immersion method. For your free lesson, just go to optilingo.com. That's O-P-T-I-L-I-N-G-O.com. Hey guys, how are you doing today? This is Chris, and this is episode 170 of the Actual Fluency Podcast. I'm really excited to be back with new episodes here of the podcast. Thank you so much for the many messages, texts, and emails that I received about the new episodes. And also, many of you listened to last week's little teaser episode where I was going and uh, looking ahead for this year's Polygod plans and uh, also a few of the Actual Fluency features coming up and new episodes so thank you for that and today we're back with a good old-fashioned episode with mark pendleton he is the founder of coffee break languages which is a series of podcasts where you can learn various languages to various levels as well some of the languages they have from complete beginner to advanced with various ways of engaging with the materials from podcasts of course their main strength but they also have different formats they also recorded some videos lately they're quite active on youtube so definitely check them out and they're a really nice company i had the fortune of going up to glasgow to meet mark in the office and meet the team and i even got to record this episode that you're about to hear now in the coffee break booth so uh, me and mark get into a little bit of that in the beginning of the episode so i won't talk too much about it but I just want to say I really enjoyed this episode with Mark where we talk about his language learning passion. Mark is a real uh, languophile, if you can call him that, and um, speaks a handful of languages really well. And um, he went from being a language teacher to a language podcaster. And Coffee Break Languages uh, serve something like 2.5 million language lessons a month via the podcasting format so we get into a little bit of that in the episode how he kind of transitioned from a teacher to a podcaster and uh, everything in between we also get to talk a little bit of a uh, scandinavian the middle bit of, of, of danish i i try not to uh <laughs> do too much of that but we uh, mark is really interested in scandinavian languages and although i tease him a little bit for bringing out coffee break swedish before danish and and i think his swedish is better than his danish he he does speak Danish quite well and he's he's got a good grasp of the accent so uh, I'm excited to see his improvement as well and, and speak some Danish with him next time I meet and um, I, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, the last message I just want to share with you is if you have anyone you would like to hear from on the podcast this series for this year please do send me an email uh, I'm happy to invite anyone onto the show who has an interesting language learning story or maybe they've learned 20 languages or they have a unique method or they went to a country and assimilated quickly or whatever the story may be we're always happy to hear language learning stories here on the actual fluency podcast and uh, i guess one final anecdote since uh, it's been a while since i've uh, recorded an episode i I hope you forgive me for this extended intro i uh, met mark the first time in berlin in the polygot gathering and i think it was 2014 the very first one and I had only released a, a couple of episodes of the podcast, uh, or maybe it was the second year. But in either case, I remember talking to Mark, and here was a really professional podcaster. At that time, Coffee Break Languages had been going on for something like maybe eight years or something like that. I think he founded it about 2006. And uh, so he was already a very professional podcaster. The company was already doing really well. And I was just like, you know, kid uh, on the blog trying to do a podcast and if you guys have listened with me from the beginning you will know that some of the early episodes were let's say a little bit uh, 
varying in quality in terms of the audio quality but also the obviously my uh, my skills as a as an interviewer and my, even my accent was different yeah my my I, when i go back to the old episodes I, I can't even recognize myself anymore but i mean you know that's part of development but i just remember mark giving some very uh, very nice feedback but in a in a very sort of um let's just say you know you have a lot to learn kid but <laughs> You know, you have a good starting point. So I really, uh, I'm really grateful to Mark for for being an idol uh, to me, definitely in the podcasting sense, but also in the business sense, in the language sense. And um, I'm I'm really happy to to consider him a, a friend, and I had the fortune to hang out with him a lot last year, and I hope that continues. So thank you to Mark for being on the show and being an amazing person. Uh, let's uh, dive right into it. Okay, perfect. Well. We're here. We're live from Radiolingua, the headquarters in Indeed. Scotland. <laughs> well, live, I guess, a, a delayed live anyway. But I wanted to give the listener just a little background to what's happening right now because this is quite unique. This is the first uh, episode of the Actual Fluency Podcast that's been recorded professionally, if I may say so. Uh, so, Mark Pendleton is my guest today. Welcome to the show, Mark. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, founder of uh, Radiolingua. You might know the company behind uh, the Coffee Break series. Um, but, Mark, can you describe just what we what it looks like right now if somebody were to look at us? <laughs> well, we're in a, in, a, in a little box that's about um, probably seven feet by about four feet. Um, and it's covered in blue tiles. Um, we've got two windows so that we can actually see out. Um, but, yeah, this is our, our recording booth that we use for all our Coffee Break podcasts. And we're delighted to have a special guest here today in the shape of Chris. Um, so, yeah, that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, I might come back and do all the actual fluency episodes in here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you'll need to, to schedule that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. It's a little hot here, but uh, hopefully uh, it doesn't get too bad during the summer. <laughs> I should say we do have a thermometer in okay. here. We're currently sitting at 24 degrees. Um, our record uh, so far is 32.4. Wow. Uh, so hopefully we won't get to 32.4. Where's 32. the uh, oxygen supply monitor? Uh, is it, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we do have a, a filter and a, like a, an air conditioning unit, but the problem is it's noisy. It's so too we can't, noisy. Yeah. We can't put it on. You can't get the quality. But anyway, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the Actual Fluency Podcast and uh, taking the time with me today. Um, so the first question, as you probably have heard as a listener, is uh, what's your background in languages? How did you first get interested in it? Do you remember anything as a child growing up hearing foreign languages? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, my grandmother was Italian. Uh, so we did have a little bit of Italian at home. We we didn't speak Italian all the time at home. But, um, you know, my grandmother would, would tell me to, to close the door and come here and all those kind of instructions and so on um, in Italian. And I loved trying it out and I loved trying to, to say a few words. Um, but I guess my earliest memory of learning a language was sitting in my other grandmother's house um, with my big sister who was... Uh, she just started doing French as she started secondary school. And um, so she was learning the words for uh, le crayon, le stylo, and, and all the kind of classroom objects and so on. And she was teaching me these words. And, and I thought, this is amazing because there's other words for these things that we know, you know, an, an English word for. Um, and I think that's probably my earliest memory of being involved in some way in, in, in learning a language. I would have been maybe six then or seven or something like that. And when do you did you have any foreign languages in school in elementary school, primary school? Not in primary school at all back oh, wow. then. Um, so it was when I went to secondary school before um, I, I first started learning French. And at that stage, I did French for uh, well five years at, at secondary school, and later on in secondary, I picked up uh, Italian and I did a kind of crash course in, in Italian, which was helped by the fact that we had a little bit of, of Italian in the family. But I guess my Italian was more sort of formally learned than. Uh, yeah, than, than than naturally learned around me, right? And how did you did you choose a degree based on that, or your further studies? Yep, I went on to study French and uh, Italian, and then swapped to Hispanic studies. So I did French, Italian, Spanish, and Portuguese um, at university, and I absolutely loved it. And I'm a combination of language and literature and culture and so on. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I I really sort of got more deeply into the language. I also did a, a night class in Norwegian at the time, wow. which proved to be very useful uh, later in life. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just a, I went along you know, on a Tuesday night or something like that to uh, to learn a little bit of Norwegian. 
I try one of those for Italian. It's a uh, it's an interesting experience being in a night class because it it really takes some extra motivation yeah. to to get going. <laughs> yeah, so the people who are there they're quite keen. I find in compared to normal school where you know everyone's mandated to be there, so it's kind of hard to get the motivation. Yeah, um, definitely. But I enjoyed it. I think the I think one of my I don't know if this is a problem or is it's a good thing. Um, but one of the issues I had was I was wanting to go much faster than the the class was going because I would I would get the book and then work through the book so I I would be I don't want to say more advanced than the the other learners there but I I was de- definitely motivated to learn um, but I found perhaps the people in the class were were going along to the class they maybe didn't have time to do any more than that um, so I guess it, <laughs> the, the teacher at the time I think wanted me to stop asking questions, basically, <laughs> so that she could teach to everyone rather than answer my questions. I was probably a bad pupil. Maybe. <laughs> but, well, or a really good one. Well, I guess there's two ways but of the, looking at yeah, it. Yeah, the balance, I guess, is a little bit off. But uh, So you're, you're a professional, uh, I guess, you're a professional language teacher at that point. Yeah. Uh, so you, you get a job in teaching languages to others at that point when you're done. exactly, yeah. So I finished my degree at Glasgow University and then I did uh, teacher training and uh, became a teacher in a secondary school in in the south side of Glasgow, which I absolutely adored. I I loved teaching in in a school. I thought it was just the most wonderful uh, opportunity to share my passion about about language learning with young people. Um, I taught French and Spanish there for four years and uh, absolutely loved it. Um, at that point, I got an opportunity to to run a, a kind of special project about languages um, for a wider group of schools. And so I took this opportunity in the year 2000 and started running the Partners in Excellence project, which was basically a virtual centre for modern languages, um, where we worked with 29 secondary schools across the west of Scotland. Some were very large urban schools, some were very rural, very small schools. And the idea there was helping the young people involved in the project to understand that a language was not just, a, if you like, a, a, a subject that they do in school. A language is a living thing. It's, a, it's something that young people just like them use every day to, to watch TV, to, to tell jokes, to argue with their parents, to fall in love with each other and so on. So it's a, a living thing. And that was what we were trying to do with that project, to take language learning out of the classroom and give them opportunities to, to use the language in different contexts. Did you find any resistance from the students in, in language class? I, I mean, second, uh, second tier students are notoriously kind of uh, let's say resisting a lot of the education that they're receiving. So, for language studies, did you find that a lot of people, a lot of the pupils, were saying, "What do we need this for? What's the point? You know, I'm not living in Spain." Or... Yeah, I think we in the UK in general we suffer from the fact that English is our first language, and that that is the language that ultimately the rest of the world seems to want to learn, and we suffer as a result because young people aren't perhaps surrounded by the language that they're learning in school. So I would imagine in Denmark, you would be surrounded by English and you would have lots of English music, English films, English TV programs and, and Absolutely, so on. Absolutely, yeah. But for, for my students and when I was teaching, um, they were not surrounded by French uh, pop songs and, and French music and, and, and films and so on. So it, it is more difficult for them to see the value in it. But I think when they start to see the language as as not a school subject and as a living thing and something that can can bring reward, that's when they they, they click. That's when the the sort of relationship with the language changes and and they suddenly realise, actually, this is is not just like chemistry or or, uh, woodwork or whatever it is. It's not just a school subject. It's something else. Yeah, that's been my biggest criticism of of school language learning anyway uh, from the very beginning of of actual fluency I was writing about how language learning in schools is really bad but not because of it's not because the teachers it's not because the students often it's mostly because the 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 subject is being treated exactly like maths mm. or physics where you're supposed to learn a lot of facts and then being able to recite those facts. Yeah, I, I would have to say that there are two things, two sort of influences there uh, that are, are important to recognise. One is that when it comes to learning facts and, and so on, then it's very often the exam that is determining that. And therefore, 
teachers perhaps feel the need to teach to the exam because ultimately pupils have got to get through that exam. Absolutely. That's what everything's based on. The other area is where the management of a school is not understanding what a language is. Yeah. And therefore, they're just trying to, again, you know, well, I mean, I've been in situations where, where teachers have, have said, well, it's okay, we'll just put the Spanish students and the French students in the same class. They're all doing language. And that is just absolutely ridiculous <laughs> because you can't necessarily d- deliver the language in, in that, that sense. But I think teachers are doing an absolutely brilliant job across the country. Yeah. And they, they, they are very often struggling against this idea of having to teach to an exam Absolutely. or having management who are, are, are not perhaps supporting uh, language education in, in the way they could. Absolutely. I think often I've had some fantastic language teachers over the years and I've heard a lot of stories of people who have had great language teachers that inspired them to do more languages after they were done with school yeah. even. Mm-hmm. Um, but again and again, it's just the system that's not built for for the real world, really. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, here's all the conjugations of a verb, even though you, one of the conjugations, you'll only use one out of a thousand sentences. Yeah. It's like, why did I spend mental capacity in the beginning of learning German to, to know that form? Yeah. And even if you say the wrong form, you'll still be understood yeah. in many yeah, languages. So yeah, it's like, indeed. it's indeed. a total waste of time. But I mean, we're not obviously not here to do a, <laughs> a socio-critical episode of our language. I, I, I think everyone understands, at least listening to this podcast, that learning a language is your it's, it's ultimately your own responsibility. And you can get a lot of help along the way from teachers and you can get a lot of help from podcasts like Coffee Break or you can get some inspiration and motivation from this podcast, but it has to come from you. And I think translating that, it has to come from the student as well In when you were in school uh, yeah. teaching. Um, but apart from that, you know, I, I really like the enthusiasm of language, language teachers. I think it's it's quite unique from the other subjects were I experienced anyway. It's always subjective, you know. Yeah. You hear some people who have terrible uh, language teachers, of course, that happens. Yeah. But in general, I think the teachers are not the problem. It's it's the system. It's the the centralization, the the exams, and yeah. The I, I think also um, one of the other problems is is in some cases when young people are learning or taking their first steps in learning that language. Very often it's also right at the time when they least want to be speaking out, they least want to embarrass themselves in front of their peers and yet they're expected to be talking about things in a foreign language and sometimes based on 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 the situation or based on what has to be covered they're talking about things that they wouldn't talk about in english so, you know what <laughs> yeah. do you have in your bedroom and we've moved on from that certainly in, in in language teaching we've definitely moved on from that and thank goodness um but it's it's difficult to see um the the motivation or, or it's difficult to maintain that motivation for the young people especially when they also are hearing that you know you've got young danes who are speaking amazing english and you know how can they compare themselves with them but it's it's not a level playing field it's not the same scenario because again we're we're at a disadvantage not being surrounded by french or spanish or, or italian or, or danish or, or whatever yeah and it's like it's your, it's your biggest gift but it's also your biggest kind of weakness for for the english-speaking world because obviously speaking english gives you unprecedented opportunity across the world uh like for instance you could become a an English teacher in China tomorrow, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, they need so many people uh, and uh, they'll probably pay for your flights, your apartment and, and everything. So uh, that's a good a good thing. But you, it's right that it's kind of like it's a self-contained world very often because the, the logic is, well, everyone else speaks English. Why do I need to learn a second language? Yeah. But I think we're seeing some positive developments in that area. And I think people are starting to understand that it's not about being understood necessarily. It's not just communications. It's actually enriching people's lives. Yeah, definitely. Your own and the recipient of the the language. And I'd like the mental exercise as well. This is the Actual Fluency Podcast with Chris Broholm. Make sure to join the Actual Fluency email club by going to actualfluency.com slash join. We'll be right back after these messages. A big shout out to Optilingo for sponsoring the Actual Fluency podcast here in 2020. Optilingo is a language learning app that features a method known as guided immersion to teach you over 18 languages at the time of recording this segment. And it focuses a lot about speaking and repeating 
and listening, of course, to get your pronunciation just right. It doesn't bother about grammar. It doesn't bother about long explanations of syntax or morphology or any kind of complicated concepts that kind of hold you back from speaking better. And um, you can get a free lesson right now if you go to optolingo.com. That's O-P-T-I-L-I-N-G-O.com, Optolingo. And uh, if you do decide to subscribe for the full version of each language, like I said, there are 18. There are more than 18, actually, <laughs> available. Um, it's only 5 bucks a month, so it's extremely affordable as well for the for the full package. But I'm just really happy they are part of the podcast here in 2020, and it's run by my good friend, John T., who kind of stumbled upon the method that the app teaches when he was trying to learn his own heritage language of Circassian, of which there is... Uh, not a lot of uh, resources out there for so thank you so much to John T and Optolingo I hope you give it a try and uh, let's get back to the action you're listening to the actual fluency podcast and now back to Chris all right we're back here with Radiolingua founder Mark Pendleton Mark, uh, we've been listening a little bit to the educational side of things mm-hmm. before, and I really wanted to get into learning a little bit more about Mark, the obviously the founder of Radio Lingua I want to know about, but also if we can contrast maybe some of your teaching and school learning experience from university to how you would do it today, yep. that would be great. So I don't know which one yeah. you think we want to jump into right now. Um, well, here at Coffee Break, we... I guess what we feel is we specialize in teaching languages to people who perhaps don't consider themselves as language learners. Um, so obviously our, our beginners courses, our, our, our season one courses of, of Coffee Break French, Spanish, German, Italian and Mandarin, and I think by the time this goes out, Swedish too, um, they are for absolute beginners, people who perhaps have never come across the language before. So when we are teaching in, in these courses, we very much focus on helping people understand not just how to you know, say a particular phrase, but why that phrase is the way it is. So we don't shy away from, in a sense, the more complex aspects of, of the language, but we teach that in a very friendly and a very approachable way. I'm thinking as an example, for example, if we're, if we're looking at ordering a coffee in German, and right from the very beginning of, of you know, the, the first task that you do in German ordering a coffee, you have to think about the fact that you get yeah, a coffee is ein café, but you can't just say ein café, bitte, because there is a, an idea there that you need the einen café because of the, the case and, and, and so on. So even at that very early stage, you do have to recognise some of the, the complexities of the language. But we feel that we, we specialise in, in making those complexities very approachable and very understandable for the learner. So that has made us think about the way in which we teach, the way in which um, also we use the format, because ultimately we're talking about podcasts here. Our, our base content is in a podcast format. So the podcast format allows us to spend as long as we need to cover particular areas, so cover particular topics or, or particular grammar points or, or whatever it may be. And we can we can leave space for the listener to think. We can mm. leave space for the listener to, uh, to, to come up with their answer and things like that, which I guess if you're making CDs or something like that in the past, you wouldn't be able to do because you've got, a, a, you've got 54 minutes that you need to, to fill in that CD. Where, whereas in, in creating a podcast, we can, we can do that just as, as long as we need to. Yeah, it's a great format, and a lot of people are commuting, of course. So, the, the in my opinion, that it's like time travel in a way because you you add learning onto uh, an, an existing existing activity. So that's like adding hours in the day. Absolutely. Uh, so it's a great format for that. And I, I I know I've heard from a lot of listeners who are you know in in America and find themselves in very very bad traffic, like in LA. So shout out to my uh, commuter yeah. friends out there. Uh, you know it's it's not as bad as it looks <laughs> when you can have a good podcast in your ears. But um, how did, let's go back to the beginning of the company. When did you first think about oh I want to do something more with the my language hobby or passion as yeah. you're teaching uh, professionally, of course. At the time, we were um, coming to the end of the project that I mentioned. So the Partners in Excellence project, the funding was running out from the Scottish government. So I was going to be working on uh, projects in education, but not language related. So I kind of thought, oh, I still want to be involved in, in language teaching. And at that stage, this was 2005, and uh, podcasting was 
very much just in the the early stages. We had done some podcasting within the project, so we had a project podcast. So all the the, the, the students that were involved in this project were listening to the podcast. But this was in very early days. This was pre iPhone and pre iTunes and so I know, on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was we, on iPods that came up first, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. iPod, I think was two thousand and one. I'm they put, not. They put podcasts on the on the iPod at some point. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> so we we were we were experimenting with with podcasts in in my day job, as it were. Um, so I basically spent some some of my own money on on getting uh, microphones and, and and so on, and thought I want to start a, a Spanish podcast. And it so happened that a colleague's daughter wanted to learn uh, Spanish, and therefore we decided to start Coffee Break Spanish. And at that stage, it was very much uh, a project to keep my mind involved in language teaching. Um, and uh, we thought, right, we'll put these podcasts out there. Maybe someone will listen to them. And lots of people listen to them. And we, we, we suddenly realized, well, actually, this is something that, that could be really successful. At the time, you know, when, when iTunes launched, we were pretty much, well, we were the first beginner's Spanish podcast on iTunes. And uh, of course, iTunes has now become Apple Podcasts and, and all that. But right back then in, in 2006, when we launched Coffee Break Spanish, it was the first beginner's podcast uh, for Spanish on iTunes. And as a result, we we were lucky in the sense that we, we got in early, we got a lot of exposure, and, and that meant that lots of people were finding Coffee Break Spanish. Fantastic. And obviously Spanish, uh, really popular language in the world. I mean, there's the... What is it? The second most learned language yeah, in the world, something like so, that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, getting in there is uh, fantastic. But I'm sure at the time it was a, a hobby, turning into a, a kind of a full, fully fledged uh, company and 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 dream must have been. I mean, it must have been amazing at the time. Yeah, I mean, way back then, I was still working full time in a day job, um, as as many people have done, moved, made, made that transition from day job to part time, and then uh, I went full time on on uh, coffee break. And I think at that point, we we first of all started to think, well, maybe we could produce some show notes, and and the show notes might sell. Um, we we could charge a dollar for the show notes or something like that, and that's what we did. And and then people. Uh, suddenly started buying, and I thought, "Whoa, this this definitely could be be something bigger." And over time, gradually, we've built that. We've we've added Coffee Break French in two thousand and eight, and then uh, onwards from there, we added German and Italian and, and Chinese and, and now Swedish. And you sped up the process as you got more resources, got more experience. Exactly. And... Yeah, I think the, the the process is still a slow one. We 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 don't churn out these courses. They they are. They're carefully thought out. They're carefully prepared. They they are not just random lessons in a series. So it's it's all very much uh, designed in in the the best way for the learner. But we've also added more advanced courses. So with French, for example, we've got four main seasons or forty lesson courses. We've got shorter courses like the En Route course. We've got um, the Coffee Break French magazine, the Verb Fix, and all these different sort of ancillary products that go along with our main courses. And we have just started working on Coffee Break French Season 5, which is a huge project. Um, it's all based around a, a, a story. And we're, we're developing that story out. And, and it's a very, very high level of French. Um, and so the same goes for the other languages. We gradually build them. And, and obviously, the more recent languages have got fewer courses. Um, but uh, with, with Spanish, we've got a, a, quite a number of courses. And then we're building with Italian and German as well. It's coming, uh, all yeah. the editions. But you say 40 hours of uh, 40 episodes, 40 episodes for yeah. a season. Yep. So how long, just complete estimate, would you take from conception to final uh, edit of the 40 episodes just to give oh, wow. people an idea of the scale involved yeah well i mean for example with with swedish which we're doing just now and this is having learned lots and lots and lots over the past 13 years <laughs> um so with swedish we started the process of of creating the content um, writing the content and writing the the outline and so on back in uh, sort of july this year um, we've now had maybe three or four recording sessions. Um, and by the end of next week, we'll have recorded up to the lesson 10. Um, so there is a lot that goes into to the design of the course and, and the editing of afterwards and so on. Um, but what we, we also do, in addition to the podcast, we, we produce free podcasts, obviously, and they go out on 
on everywhere where you can get podcasts. Um, but we also create a course that, that goes along with that. So we've got video versions of the, the lessons with the words on screen. We've got lesson notes. We've got um, the, the bonus audio materials as well. And so all of these are recorded and, and made at the same time. Therefore, from from pretty much conception to release, it can be a year, a year and a half, something like that. So it's it's not something you know. We get we get emails every day saying, you know, can you make a coffee break Gaelic? Can you make a <laughs> coffee break Japanese, a Turkish, or whatever? And I think maybe listeners sometimes don't fully understand the the depth that that is 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 involving. It's not just a case of getting someone who speaks one language and someone who speaks English into a room and and and. Making making a podcast, right? And also, you're very much part of all the podcasts so far. Yep, so far. <laughs> and uh, so, obviously, you running a company, but also being the voice of the, the episodes. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of work for as well. Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, I love teaching. I love uh, being involved in the teaching process. And I think if I wasn't involved in that teaching process, then I would perhaps enjoy my <laughs> my, my my work less. Um, and when it comes to the the teaching, again, it's for me, it's not necessarily about teaching in a didactic sense. It's about sharing that love for learning and learning the language and about the culture and so on. So, for example, in, in the French and the Spanish and the Italian courses, I have a teaching role. But in the German course, I've got a learning role because yeah. my German's not quite so good. Um, and uh, likewise, in the Chinese and in the Swedish, I'm, I'm the learner. And yeah, it means that I'm involved in everything. But I also have an overview of how every course that we've ever done has worked. And therefore, yeah. I, I know how to, uh, how to kind of control, I guess, is the, the word. Um, and, and to, to help the, the teacher in these courses um, make what sounds like a coffee break course. Yeah. And I also think that for listeners, uh, especially people who are interested in multiple languages, having that familiar voice brings back uh, some kind of, yeah, you know, it it makes it easier to stay on track because it's not just a new random Italian voice Mm -hmm. or a new random. So I think that might be like an extra benefit that that you didn't mention just to have that central uh, topic. And I've seen a lot of the comments, you know, I learned French from a Scottish guy, you know. So it's, it's some great comments out yeah. there, and uh, they all they all love you for for being part of all the, the episodes. I'm yeah, sure. A couple of comments uh, referring to Shrek and things like that. You know? Right. <laughs> I've learned Spanish from Shrek in the swamp. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure lovingly uh, submitted. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the, the other thing is that as a as a learner of you know, yes, okay, I'm I'm the teacher on, on Coffee Break French, but I'm still a learner of French. Every time we do a, a French podcast, I learn something new. And I think mirroring that learning process and helping listeners to, um, I guess, in, in a sense, lead, if I'm leading their learning, um, that they are discovering it along with me. And if Pia Benoit teaches us some cool expression, then, you know, I can get enthusiastic about that. And then listeners in, in turn will get enthusiastic. And Possibly the fact that although, yes, I am not a native speaker of, of French or Spanish or Italian, that I'm, I'm quite confident in, in my French and Spanish and Italian. And therefore, that also perhaps gives the learner listening the the idea that they will also be able to achieve that high level of, of language um, as a learner. Yeah, and I think you also have a better position to understand the struggle. Absolutely. So I, there's a lot of people saying, oh, I want a native speaker a native speaking teacher. Yep. And I think for some parts like pronunciation, it can be very helpful. But for general learning, I would say that the non-native, but, but quite really good uh, teacher has a lot of advantages because they know <laughs> what it takes to get through the struggles. Yeah. Whereas a native speaker would just say, well, that's just how it is. So that really is a good concept as yeah, well. Precis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how is the, so, Apart from podcasts, what do you use yourself to improve your languages and and maybe add new ones? If you ever have the time, I mean, you have so much to do. I've always got one on the go. I've always got a language on the go, to (laughs) be honest. And it's it's really, I I mean, I've heard lots of people describe uh, this kind of process as sort of being like a magpie or something like that. that You (laughs) you flip from one to the other and and, um, yeah, there are other less less polite terms as well. (laughs) But I think um, I'm actually... for the languages that I want to learn, I honestly would love to have our Coffee Break magazine, for example, level of content where I'm listening to interesting texts 
I'm getting lots of input and I'm understanding those texts with the help of a teacher explaining the different parts of those texts. I find it... I find that when you're listening to, if, if I'm listening to, um, for example, I've, I've recently been listening to a lot of, of Swedish uh, news. So I, I listen to the, the news in easy Swedish or something like that from, from uh, SVT or, or something like that. I'm not quite sure. Um, Radio Sweden. And when I listen to that, it's fantastic because I'm getting you know, authentic pronunciation. It's read slowly. So I'm understanding bits of it. But what I really, really want is for a teacher to go through that afterwards and say, okay, did you hear that word? Listen to that word again, and then we're going to put it into a different context, and let's use it that way and, and, and get that kind of content. And so what I feel we're doing as a company is creating the kind of content that I <laughs> would want to learn with right. if I didn't speak that language already, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, having said that, I also really like books. Right. I'm quite a traditionalist when it comes to, you know, picking up a colloquial Swedish or, or um, what I'm doing at the moment is using a, a Langenscheid uh, German course to learn Swedish um, because it's got some interesting texts in it and, and I like doing that, sort of learning one language through the other. Yeah, that's a great one. But what better way to run a language company than with your own vision and that other people like as well? I mean, that's that's yeah. win-win-win, isn't well, it? Well, theoretically, you know? yeah. <laughs> I get to do what, what I like to do. And, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, with a team, we've got a, a fantastic team here. And the, the team very much buy into this idea because they've seen the comments from the learners. We, yeah. we, we use Slack as a communication method all the time. And we've got a channel in Slack. We call it Customer Love. And basically, any time anyone posts a, a nice review or a comment or a Facebook review or sends it as an email, we put that in there and every single member of the team sees that. So they see the comments that are coming in. Um, and it, we also put in comments that are, are constructive. So, you know, we can all benefit from that too. Um, but I think that's really important that, that when we are working with our team, that the team understand the, 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 the learners are finding what we do useful. And therefore, we want to do more of it. Yeah. And how has, has the methodology changed over the years? Like when from the first coffee break season to the one you're doing now, the fifth French one? Um, I'm told that my accent has changed. <laughs> Your accent? <laughs> my, my Scottish accent, right. my English accent. Um, I'm told that, and, and actually when I listen back to some of the earlier um, coffee break French and Spanish episodes, I was a wee bit more chuchtery, oh. a wee bit more, a wee bit more Scottish. Um, but my my son, well, my two sons often comment, "Oh, he's got his podcast voice on whenever we're abroad or whatever." And I'm I'm speaking in in correct English and you know, right. trying to speak clearly. Oh, he's got his podcast, he's on got his voice. podcast voice. Yeah. So I guess in in one sense, maybe my my diction has changed. Oh, wow. um, but in terms of the the learning, I think we're still you know when when we create a new course like what we're doing in Swedish at the moment is reflecting what we did in French and Spanish. You know, thirty years ago um obviously what has changed over time is our 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 systems and mm. and the the way in which we're producing the content um we've got a more streamlined system we've got a, a team that can you know take a recording and then work with it and then bring the the video content together and and then create social content around that and so on so we've got we've got all of that now um but the the actual learning process and the the, the teaching content that we're using we kind of feel people enjoy and therefore we don't want to change what's not broken as it were yeah the pedagogy uh, the, what do you call it the, the pedagogy the pedagogy yeah it's a strange word isn't it yeah. <laughs> um pedagogic in yeah. danish, yeah. danish. <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean the people think that's a loan word from danish but yeah. i think it comes from greek i think it's greek but yeah. uh Whatever, we'll take yeah. it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so how do you make the decision of which languages to add? Is that a tricky question. Which, uh, <laughs> which language Mark wants to add to his uh, repertoire next? Or no, 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 no. It's it... not all about me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a combination of things. First of all, it's about, it's about people. I, I think 
What, when you're running a small company, everyone needs to you be part of the same team. You need to have people that that I don't want to say fit, but that that buy into the way in which you're creating content. Mm. And so, what we've found over the years as we've developed our team, we've got people who. Um, you know, who are perfect for that. And, and as we add new languages, it's when we meet the right person to work with on a particular language who gets where we're coming from, who gets where the customer, who the learner is coming from and who understands what we are trying to achieve. Um, so, you know, yes, we have some plans in terms of which language to, to look at next. Um, we've got some, there's some challenges in terms of which language to do. First of all, because of the other stuff that's out there. So there's, there's some amazing content out there for certain languages. Yeah, There are other languages which are a little bit uh, less well-served. Um, and in a sense, that's where our, our Swedish has come from, because we feel that um, it's not necessarily about doing the, the big languages, if you like. And when you do a, a smaller language, then what you'll find is that you've got a, a, a group of uh, learners who are absolutely passionate about learning that language and their almost their enthusiasm counts twice for for that language um in comparison to a language where there's lots of content available and lots of learners learning that um and yeah okay the swedish is a little bit of a, a personal passion i have always loved things all things scandinavian uh, we just chose to go with swedish first sorry Denmark. it's all right, it's all right. Uh, we can uh, build the course uh, how to learn danish from swedish afterwards okay it be a very short course but uh i that i always thought that could be interesting to do yeah or vice versa really yeah um because there are obviously some patterns and there's some the, the core vocabulary just for anyone listening Norwegian, Swedish, and Danish are ninety nine percent the same. Yeah, but the pronunciation is obviously quite different. Um, but not different that you get very confused after being there for a while. Yeah. Like you'll get used to it. But well, some people say you never get used to the Danish pronunciation. <laughs> I but, wasn't going to say you that. Know, <laughs> just just putting out there. Um, but there are some key words here and there that are different. And I think if you do a, a frequency list, and then taking out all the duplicates, that would be a great way to start. I mean, I think as we've been we've been doing our Coffee Break Swedish, and I have done a little bit of Norwegian in the past, and, and it's so fascinating to see how things are, are a little bit different, but those differences are quite important. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'll keep saying things to, to Hanna, our, our, our Swedish teacher, you know, I mean, on a very basic level, you know, uh, jag Mark uh, på norsk in, in, in Norwegian. Uh, jag heter Mark uh, på svenska. Yeah. Yeah, på dansk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. But written down, obviously, we're, we're, we're oh, it's very, very similar. similar. Yeah. Yeah. But um, some people hear L's there, which yeah. is, which I, as a Danish ear, I can't hear at all. But when I say Hilla, people yeah. are like, that sounds like you're saying Hella. Yeah. But no, it's D, it's double D, which is a very tricky one in yeah. uh, in Danish. And you've got your, your R's and your L's and your D's all, they, they all kind of sound quite similar in some ways in certain certain dialects. Yeah. I've, I read yesterday Danish for the crazy, first yeah. time um, about um, Waffle Day in Sweden, right. which apparently comes from Vår fru dagen. Right. Which then in certain dialects became Varfrudagen or something like that. And it then developed into Vaffeldagen. So Waffle started out as Our Lady's Day. Yeah. Well, blows me away. Yeah, but the Scandinavian culture is receiving a lot of interest now. So if anyone listening, you know, it's a great time to learn the languages now. Absolutely. You've got... In in the UK, for instance, everyone's really obsessed about Hugo. This like uh, coziness in Denmark, uh, you know, does exist in Sweden as well, uh, but they usually refer to it as you know their version is something like fika, you know. Yeah, it's like the which is coffee break. Coffee break, yeah, yeah. I might have mentioned once that once or twice in our yeah courses. (laughs) Well, but but is I guess you could have called it fika Swedish because that's kind of like the. The, the, the branding doesn't work. Oh, no, <laughs> no, probably not. But in the yeah, the UK are obsessed about Scandinavian, and it's it's cool to see. Uh, and it's a bit weird as a Scandinavian because you don't really put much notice at your own culture. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, there's a huge there, a huge 
selection then the food is is great as well i think uh, for instance bread like there's just as an expat you know speaking yep. <laughs> like, where can i get good bread in the uk it's like they don't do it at all it's yeah. like you can get 50 different kinds of toast but any dark bread no no not possible <laughs> um so if anyone listening is interested in scandinavian i definitely encourage it because uh, everything else ignored, you also get three languages for the price Absolutely, of one. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> <laughs> So that's always good to do. But yeah, the Danish language is, uh, is is interesting. I think it's it's probably the odd one out, really. Because Norwegian and Swedish, they're so similar, they don't even need to translate or anything. Mm-hmm. But if a Danish person meets any of them abroad, they would typically speak in English. In English, yeah, yeah. Which is, which saddened me a bit. I, you know, I, I did some work in a call center in the UK when I first came here. And we had a Swedish department, a Norwegian department, and a Danish department. And I was shocked to see that everyone was speaking English to each yeah. other. And I said, come on, guys. I mean, how long will it take us to understand each other's little dialects, yeah. little variations to be able to just communicate? And it didn't take long. Yeah, yeah. I, I It reminds me of, of um, the, the TV show uh, Brun. Yeah, and I remember watching that and absolutely being so relieved when the Swedish part was happening <laughs> because I I understood what was happening. Well, yeah. with the subtitles, obviously, but um, I could recognise what the Swedish words were being used when yeah. I was watching the English subtitles. But in the Danish parts, this is a, a it's a TV show which is set a crime show set on the bridge between uh, yeah. Malmo and and uh, Copenhagen, basically. Um, so it's a, a a TV series that involves both Swedish and Danish uh, police Yeah, the crime happens so like in mutual jurisdiction yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, when when the the characters in the Danish side were speaking, I find it much more difficult than than when the Swedish yeah. characters were speaking. Unfortunately, yeah, it's tricky. And and as a you know, I've done a little bit of Danish teaching before, and it's really hard to teach the pronunciation because it's almost like it's not pronunciation. It's about it's almost like redacting. Yeah. Like you're taking away things rather than adding things. And it's really hard to teach. And what I find is that people generally, if they have no experience with uh, Scandinavian languages, they typically overdo it. Yeah, And that's funny because normally people underperform pronunciation. But I generally find with Danish that people just, they sound ridiculous. Tell me, how do you say your second name in proper Danish? Well, uh, Bohorn. Bohorn. That's okay. a big problem. I mean, this is a bit of a tangent if we have, if <laughs> we have okay. a few we're, minutes. We're, I've got a couple of minutes. Okay, yeah. great. Um, because I live in the UK, yeah. and every time somebody asks me for my name, I have no idea how to say it in a way so they understand the letters. Right. I don't care if it's authentic. I don't care if it sounds like the Danish. I just want people to understand it starts with a B, yeah. <laughs> and there might be an M at the end. Yeah, okay. But no matter what I say, nobody ever gets it. So that is a bit of an issue, uh, first world problems there. But if it's any consolation, people can't write Pendleton oh, right. either correctly. So <laughs> don't, don't worry too much. No, I don't. But Broholm, yeah. I, I guess, is. Broholm, Broholm yeah. But Broholm. Bro, Bro, Broholm? Yeah. Broholm, yeah. Broholm. Yeah, it's an unusual name, actually. Most Danish names end in uh, EN. Yep. Like Sen, Sen. S-E-N, uh, for son, son of, uh, which uh, is not the real son of, but just to, for people. Who might not know? Uh, you know, in for instance, in Russian, you have the patronym yeah. where you get your father's name, but in Dan- in Danish, it's not. It's an ancestral name. Yeah. So even though your son might be, uh, your name might be son of Jens, your dad might be Peter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's completely. It's it's not used. Uh, I think Iceland is more traditional yeah, like that as well. Yeah. But um, most names in, in in Danish has that ending s e n. So yeah. not having that is quite unusual. Uh-huh. Uh, so that also stands out a bit. But uh, I do have a castle somewhere in Denmark. Oh, well, so, there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah, we, quite a famous we one. We know where the next polyglot gathering uh, is. Yeah, be. yeah. <laughs> no, but that could be fun to go over there and shoot some yeah. Danish videos in the <laughs> Bohong uh, castle. castle yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess my, my kind of conclusion is definitely learn the Scandinavian languages. Absolutely. They're fun. You get um, like three for the price of one. And very, very, very different cultures as well. So Denmark is completely flat. Like we don't have any hills yeah. or anything. You go to the top of Norway, you've got proper mountains, yeah. and that changes a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Not not at least the weather. And I know there's basically no sunlight in the yeah. northern Norway for like half the year. Yeah. Um, so that changes things and uh, food and culture and tradition. And dialect, dialect. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the funny thing about Norway. People think that Danish is strange. 
you should try and hear some of these really yeah. uh, northern dialects. You just and, think, and is the this even Norwegian? <laughs> the frustrating thing is that no one actually speaks the Norwegian that you learn in books. Right. <laughs> because that's a kind of, uh, well, there are two versions of it, Bokmål and Nynorsk, and, and they are amalgamations of different dialects. Well, yeah. certainly Nynorsk is, but um, yeah, it's all it's fascinating. It's like it really modern is. standard Arabic or uh, yeah. BBC English. Yeah, you know, exactly. Nobody really speaks like that, you know. But I think one thing that's really important about Scandinavian languages is that because you all speak amazing English, the minute someone speaks to you in the Danish or the Swedish or the Norwegian that they've learned, it completely changes the relationship. Yeah. If if I'm making an effort to speak in, in Norwegian or Swedish, I, I wouldn't really make the effort to speak in Danish because you would just laugh. Um, but it, it does change the relationship because... I don't need to. Yeah. You speak amazing English and, and maybe it's tricky because it's difficult to get someone to speak to you in Swedish or Danish or, or Norwegian. It is, um, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, it does change that relationship. I found that in Norway particularly. Yeah, I think Scandinavian countries are very uh, notoriously bad for responding in English when somebody tries to speak to them in the country yeah. or in the language. But I think if you know a little bit about the culture is that People are very uh, reserved. They're very kind of inward looking. And one way to kind of pass through that outer shell is definitely to, if you're, if you're good at the language, you don't need to be an expert or anything. But if you can do that, you definitely communicate at a different level. Whereas English is more like just a formality. Yeah. You know, you just, you, you get the information across, but you don't build a relationship. So, but um, yeah, anyway, we're looking forward to uh, Coffee Break Swedish coming soon. Yep. Coffee who Break knows, Norwegian, who knows what Coffee next. Break Danish, <laughs> never know. Um, but uh, thank you so much for being on the Actual Fluency Podcast, Mark. And, it's been a pleasure. And more importantly, thank you for letting us uh, record here in the uh, Radio Lingua headquarters, the Coffee Break headquarters in Glasgow. Beautiful rainy day. <laughs> On a rainy day, yeah. We, 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 we couldn't sort the weather for you today. I'm uh, <laughs> that's a shame. But, but thank you so much, Mark. And if uh, people want to know more about Radio Lingua and the Coffee Break series, can you tell them just where to go? Absolutely. If you just head to coffeebreaklanguages.com, you'll find everything that you need to there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for her. Thanks for her. (laughs) This episode was brought to you by Optilingo. Learn over 18 languages through guided immersion by going to www.optilingo.com. That's O-P-T-I-L-I-N-G-O. Thanks for listening to the Actual Fluency Podcast with Chris Broholm. To get more language learning tips, strategies, and inspiration, join the Actual Fluency email club by going to actualfluency.com slash join. We hope you enjoyed the show and hope you've gotten some useful information. Till next time, this is the Actual Fluency Podcast, signing off.